0: we're back with another episode of the think deeper podcast we'd like to thank everybody for listening and a happy belated one day late uh, mother's day to all of our mothers who are listening i hope everybody got to enjoy a good mother's day meal whether you're are you guys more of a a home-cooked mother's day meal or more of a go go out to eat mother's day meal Type of family,
1: man. If you don't have reservations, you gotta you gotta
2: stay and cook. I, I mean, I like making stuff anyway, so I would say go out to eat. I mean, only because who's the one doing who's the, the one doing? All right, Happy Mother's True. Day. Go cook yourself a meal. Right, right. <laughs> Bring yourself
1: breakfast. In you bed. do the cooking genius. <laughs> <laughs> have you had my cooking? <laughs> they be, be having there's a dinner, no, of Lucky Charms. Yes, yeah, exactly. There's no gift
0: of me doing the. <laughs> hey, you do some or, good pasta. I will say that.
2: I, I appreciate it. We'll there's steaks that. and pasta. Actually, I'm decent at. But yeah, that's yeah. All right. a Mother's Day meal. Yeah, I should. But then you get done after preaching, you get home, and it's and just I, a long day. I home yeah. make pasta. I'm because, hearing excuses. You know. <laughs> I
1: guess Joe doesn't value Mother's doesn't value his wife that much. I so. I'll pay for an expensive
0: meal. You see uh, all those you see all those memes going around right now. It's like your wife and your 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 wife really needs to enjoy Mother's Day. So make sure she's got all the laundry done by Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> I saw hey, one. I saw one. It was like. Make sure that you uh, schedule yourself to go golf and fish so she can have quality time with the kids. (laughs) That's that's terrible. No, but seriously, happy Mother's Day to everybody listening. Um, Yeah, so the episode that we're going to get into today is one that I think actually affects a lot more people than maybe we realize, Um, and and we'll get to that in just a second. We do want to remind everybody um, about the seminars that we have going on here at Focus Press. We actually just confirmed our first Think Deeper seminar with the three of us we're going to be going out to close to LA Victorville I think um, out in September uh, and so that's something that we've talked about before but if you are listening and you'd like to to have a seminar with us three or, or really any combination of, of any of us out to, to kind of discuss some of the things we talked about with the podcast the the idea of shouldn't church be more which is obviously a big thing with Jack and his book uh, just family stuff cultural stuff all the things that we talk about on this podcast if you'd like to have an in-person version you know we're offering this seminar and so we're excited to go out in september to uh, victorville and 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 have one of these and so again we want to encourage everybody if that's something that you're interested in talk to your elders reach out to us we'd love to make that happen um anything else you guys want to add to that we of course want to remind everybody um for all of our focus everybody knows about focus plus at this point our patreon service um for the 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 extended segment the deep end that we do Um, we're responding to everybody's comments everybody's questions if you leave a comment if you're a subscriber and you leave a comment leave a question we do address that in a segment later in the week we're calling the deep end and so again think everybody knows the drill at this point but wanted to remind everybody number one if you are a focus plus subscriber make sure and leave your comment by wednesday night and uh, secondly if you're not a focus plus subscriber go subscribe we'd love to have you join and, and contribute to this uh this deep end segment so guys anything else to add before we get into today's episode
1: no, I don't think so.
0: All right, I'm actually gonna gonna hand it off to Joe. Okay. Uh, if I don't know if that's an audible for you, Joe, I'm gonna hand it off to yeah. you because this is something I think you, you get a lot of knowledge in. You got a lot of experience in at least dealing with this problem. So get us into number one, this episode. Number two, why we chose to have this episode now after we had our
2: episode about marriage. Absolutely, yeah. So last week we talked about marriage, um, the marriage crisis, and it's just it's it's just that it's a crisis. And so we started to think about we've had one on the list of friendship um, how to have good friendships, things like that relationships, relationships yeah. yeah relationships but we started thinking along the lines of man what if we did a relationship arc um, and we discussed the relationship or the friendship crisis because as you're you know talking about, yeah, I work with a lot of people and loneliness is key right now and I think we're more lonely than ever we're more isolated than ever. And so what we're seeing is a lot of people who are just struggling with friendships. They're struggling to connect with anyone, even within the church. They yeah. may be active members of the church, but it's kind of the old thing of you can be in a crowded room and still be lonely. And I think that's happening a lot more than maybe we'd like to admit. And um, we have to do something about that. We want that's, that's why we wanted to bring this up is there are a lot of people struggling. Young, middle-aged, old, we'll get into that in a bit of kind of the differences and such. But... Everybody at every age, I think, right now is more isolated and struggling uh, with loneliness than ever, and we want to talk about that. How do we develop these godly friendships? What does that even look like? Um, that's, friendships with the world, friendship people in church, things like that. That's
0: what I was going to ask, and this is not in our outline, so once again, kind of an audible here, but I think maybe one of the reasons why this is such a problem, and Jack, maybe this is where I'll hand it off to you, is we don't really know what the concept of friendship is. We don't know what that means. I think because of social media, which we, we've got on there that we'll tackle later, because of... Just the general shallowness of our culture these days. The idea of a friend or a, a friendship is has really changed from what it used to be. You know, back in, in older times, when a friend was somebody you had in your home, you were close with, you, you knew a lot of things about them. Nowadays, what is a friend? Oh, I, you know, I maybe see them every now and then. I'm, I'm friends with them on Facebook, of course. You know, we we, we we like each other's posts and we comment on each other's posts, and you know, maybe, again, maybe we'll check in every now and then. But to us, that's a friend. I don't really think that that is the the true definition of of friendship and having a close friend. Long story short, I think it's changed over the years. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that again a bit as we get into this friendship epidemic. Maybe one of the reasons is because we don't know what it truly means to be a friend or to have a friendship.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, especially with the social media thing, which, again, we're going to get into using it for good and using it for bad and, and how it hurts friendship and how it can help friendship. But it's almost like what porn is to sex in that, like, you, you just simulated it, but you didn't actually get the... the cheap inter- version. Yeah, and, and you didn't get the things that it was intended for. And so, like, okay, I like your post, you like mine. If you get more than, like, four people who like your post, you don't know who all the people were. And so I can think, oh, I like that person's post, I engaged with them. They probably didn't even know that I liked their post. Or maybe they saw that and it's like, okay there's no connection there. Yeah. And it's like, well, I feel like I know what's going on with your life. It's like, no, I, I know what you posted on Facebook. I don't yeah. know what, you don't post your hard days on your life. We've talked about it a million times. We we post our highlights. We post the fun things we're doing and all that. And it's like, oh, so-and-so went on vacation there. You know, I, I, I'm in touch with their life. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. And so, but again, mentally, and, and that's why I make the porn analogies. Like mentally, you've got this thought of, you know, okay, this is real. And all of the things that are supposed to come from it don't. And so, um, yeah, no, I think that is is a really big thing that leads to the loneliness, feeds the loneliness is you know you you get the, I don't know the dopamine joke I talked more to that stuff of, oh, I connected with somebody, but you didn't actually connect with somebody. And, and so we've got you know kind of different levels and forms that loneliness is taking. Young people, it's a really big one of you kind of are surrounded by people in school, surrounded by people, but the older you get as you grow into adulthood, Keeping those friendships is hard. Keeping those connections is hard. And 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 so there's just a lot of people out there who don't have somebody they can turn to. They don't yeah. have maybe older mentors. They don't have, I, I don't know. This is well, something you see a lot in therapy, I guess.
0: I was just going to say, think about how dark of a place it is for young people. Let's say they have a really bad relationship with their parents. So they, yeah. they hit their 20s. They don't have a great relationship with their parents. Their friends are all gone. They're in different states. Maybe they don't have a great relationship. Most likely, they don't have a good relationship with the older people in their congregation. Right. Who are they going to turn to? Who are they talking to? Who do they have? Thus, the the loneliness problem, Joe, that I'm sure you see a lot of, it's got to stem from they've got bad relationships in every other area. They
2: grow, they, they leave their age group that they were in with school and college and their youth group. They don't have anybody. I've had Christians and non-Christian clients alike tell me, I've heard this multiple times, you know, I appreciate you as a friend, but I also pay for you. And yeah. that's really difficult. And you're my one, you know, my one friend, like... that's not great that's not where I want to be as a therapist I want you and and I push them out into more social situations and and working on friendships but yes I mean there's I think this is the rise in therapy is you have a lot of young kids that are they don't know where to turn older people are not as sold on therapy a lot of it's kind of like rub some dirt on it so there's still that generation but I, I have worked with older folks Loneliness is key in almost every, I don't know if you want to call it pathology, but almost every issue is mm-hmm. you say, okay, how is the, the support structure in your life? Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have people that care about you? And some of them genuinely do or they're, you know, most of them though, it's either very complicated family situations or no, they don't have anybody and specifically in friend groups. And so what we've done, we think about, you know, how did it get this way? And you guys are already talking about it. Consider public school. How many people are public schooled? you go from same age group same age same group up. same age group same age group you leave maybe in college you can extend that and you get into the big bad world and it's like well not everybody's my age and and how do i i got used to talking memes with my fellow 16 year olds now i'm out in video you know, games and so video games and such how do I talk to this guy at work? The guy's 40. He's been in the industry for the last 20 years. I'm a newbie. I mean, what we have nothing in common. And so we've made friendships all about what do we have in common? Mm, and you see yeah. this a lot of, of, as and I guess, I don't know if we want to get into the the younger middle age elderly. You see that a lot with the middle age of like the friendships are based on what we have in common, but I do want to move to kind of the, I don't know. And, and I forgot on the outline. I think we had talked about, this is also the rise in addictions As you're talking about the rise in therapy, Obviously, I specialize in addiction and I think addiction is loneliness and action. And I've also said depression is loneliness and action, but that's why addiction and depression go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Is when you are lonely, who do you turn to? When you feel unworthy of love, when you feel rejected, when you feel abandoned, how do you soothe that? How do you. A vice of some kind. Uh, some sort of vice, of course. And that's how it turns into addiction. So how does it go from like, hey, I like the, you know, I, I or maybe it's a sip of alcohol or whatever it is to an addiction? Yeah, porn may feel good. Um, but how does it turn into an addiction? A brown, eating a brownie feels good. I'm not addicted to brownies. How do I have the mechanism? You, sh- to you stop? sure you're
0: not addicted to brownies, Joe? Maybe,
2: maybe <laughs> close. Maybe <laughs> close. Yeah. Uh, don't say I'm I would say I'm addicted to sugar. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. But how do you have something that feels good, but I can moderate? Yeah. At what point does something become an addiction? It's when it starts taking over and like it, it's basically it becomes the vice for the things you're running from. So I'm running from feelings of loneliness into it and so much of loneliness is i don't feel good about myself and i don't feel worthy of being around people and so you run into all these things so this is a real problem and and i think jack you had said we weren't even talking in the light of this context but you had said earlier about fentanyl being the um, number one killer in people under 40 right now is that right so fentanyl overdoses well that's addiction right And, and that's killing so many people and they're lonely and nobody wants to talk about that either. Like, Who, who is talking about the overdosing and, and the addictions? Some people, but it'll last in the news for like two minutes, and I think partly it's pharmaceutical companies and everything else, I don't want to get into big pharma. But I do think there's kind of a conspiracy to shut this up because you have a serious national crisis going on, and we're not talking about it in the least.
0: Yeah. Rooted in loneliness, mainly. Yeah, I think the therapy rise is, is obviously the, the big evidence for that. Um, I don't know if you had anything, to, I want to get us to the social media yeah. questions since we've already really touched on it. Um, I've said before, I think it was on the gym podcast, that I think a lot of older people tend to sometimes, you know, oh, there's a problem. Who's to blame? Well, social media's got to be to blame, right? We kind of blame every issue that we have nowadays on social media. That's kind of an older person thing to do. And I don't think that's necessarily the right answer. I'm not an anti-social media person. However, when we're talking about loneliness here, We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up that this is a pretty heavy contributing factor to loneliness. Right. Uh, and we've got on here the blessings and the curses. There is some some good to social media. You think about when Facebook first came out. I was obviously very young, so maybe you can speak more to this. What was Facebook for? Oh, cool. I've got a buddy in another state, somebody right. that I met on some trip. Mm-hmm. I can now keep in touch with him. Okay. I can now keep up with his life and his family, whereas previously that was a lot more difficult to do. Okay. Obviously, when did Facebook start? Like oh four or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. So text messaging wasn't even really big back then either. And so it was really cool to be able to have this this platform where you can keep up with friends that maybe you didn't see every single day or even every single week. Um, that's that's a good side to it. But obviously with that comes what? The bad side, which you all have already hit on. You post the highlights. You post the really good things. It, it becomes a a you know plethora of shallow friendships, shallow acquaintances. Jack, I think you are somebody who you have two Facebook accounts. And one of them is because it's like... You know, I don't want a a thousand fake friends, essentially. Um, So I don't know if you want to speak more to to the good and the bad of it, but those are obviously very quickly laid out how it can be a really good thing, but far too often it can swing in the other direction of being just really negative for people. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I always sound like a total weirdo when I have two Facebook accounts. I posted a picture of one of my kids and some rando stranger Church of Christ person, I don't know who they are, I'm sure they're nice, loving, well-intentioned person, shared the picture of my kid and like uh no that's we're not doing that and i realize i'm posting pictures of my kids to uh, again i don't i don't know 2000 people and that but it, facebook says i have 2000 friends no i don't nobody has 2000 friends most people don't have 10 friends yeah. you know and, and so it's a kind of a definition thing as again it like gets in our problems. head of oh i've got friends okay. no seeing what people are doing in their life is not friends and and so it but you can make friends out of it that's the good side of it is some yeah. of the people i talk to the most Some of the closer friends I have are people that I, there's literally some of them I've never met in person. I only know because of social media. I would not know them if Facebook and Twitter didn't exist. So that's great. I mean, like, that has been a jumping off point for some great relationships. That's the good side of of social media is, like, you leave the real world to go to this imaginary place of imaginary friends to bring real friends back with you into your real world life. And when you do that, you're really getting something good out of it. But most of the time, it's, I'm going to go to this fake world and then convince myself it's the real world. Convince myself I have all these friends. Convince myself, and not even convince yourself. That sounds weird. It's it's engineered. And convince yourself makes it sound like you're doing something bad. You're not. It's engineered to give you a, a sense, to yeah. to lull you into thinking that right. you are socially connecting. As I said earlier, that false social, social connection. And so that's where it's bad, is where it is a substitution for real world friendships and where... You can say, you know, well, I talked to I'm gonna Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, well, some people have seen that movie. Some people have not. That's so.
0: I still have not. Still no. have not. Uh, no. But
1: again, you're you're young. You're like oh three, oh four, five, somewhere in that range. So, Will is just the whippersnapper here. <laughs> yeah. um, but know where uh, it was a uh, Kip on Napoleon Dynamite said, I've been chatting online with babes all day, and it's just this total loser guy <laughs> thinking like he's got all the ladies after him. It's like, okay, come on, man. You know, like that's. You know that's not real, but we kind of do the, the same. False thing.
0: reality, yes.
2: Yeah. And social media, same thing. I think one of the other negatives. Well, you touched on this, and it's such a good point. We look at the negatives of obviously that's a negative. Um, you know, not really knowing people, but even worse is to see the people you do know posting their highlights. Instagram's horrible about this, yeah. right? Where you know it's all about the highlights, and that creates a a certain separation as well because it's the loneliness and depression go hand in hand and it's really lonely to see your friend who just went to you know some tropical place and you get all the highlights and you're going my life is nothing like that
0: you know what's really interesting about that not to cut you off is there's a brand new social media app that is kind of taking over young people and I guarantee you you guys probably are not familiar with it, Be Real. You all heard of that?
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's basically the
0: opposite of Instagram, where Instagram is, let me get the perfect pose, perfect filter, perfect background, we're at the beach, whatever. Be Real, the way it works, and it's very interesting to me, millions of young people are being drawn to this app instead of Instagram, and I don't have any data on whether or not Instagram's losing numbers or anything, but this app alerts you at a different time throughout the day, and you have two minutes to post a picture front and back of just what you're doing, homework, mowing, you know, whatever, And so it is very interesting that young people are kind of flocking to that. It's almost as if a lot of young people are kind of seeing this this problem of, like you said, specifically Instagram, where it's got to look perfect, got to get the perfect angle,
2: perfect filter. So it's very interesting to me that that's kind of the new thing. Even more interesting, though, is they're trying to solve the problem within the system instead of stepping outside of the system. The way to solve the problem is get rid of Instagram. (laughs)
0: True. you know,
2: be done with it and get in real world. But they don't know how. And so they're trying to figure out how do we capture the real no, no pun intended, but how, yeah, how do we capture what is accurate, right? What's actually happening in my life. Um, but of course we get, we're going to have an app, of course. And so it's kind of an assumed thing. Like we are going to be on tech, but let's make it as real as possible. Yeah. And so I think you're right. It's a movement in the right direction. Wait until they discover that when they put their phone down, there's a full world. <laughs> Wait until they do that. It's going to be mind blowing. I mean, it'll be crazy for them, but that's exactly what you're saying. Like, there's a real, there's a fakeness that I think can create the loneliness, and the realness is what people are craving. That's what yes, they want. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Um, we're not fully sure how to get it because I think it's been a while. And you consider an entire generation. If Facebook is, let's say, 05. I think Napoleon Dynamite's '04. I don't know why I remember that, but it, it seems like '04. It doesn't matter in the <laughs> least. Both of those, you're going to have a lot of people. If there's younger kids, they're like, "When well, the world's Napoleon Dynamite," which just Jack hurts, was hurts like '25 in 04, not he? It Something <laughs> like that. I mean, he was old. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was old. Uh- <laughs> But uh, 2005, you have an entire generation of kids that have grown up in the social media world. And Twitter was, what, 07, something like that, 06? So they don't know anything apart from this. And we look at it as loneliness is a major young people problem for that reason. The problem is you also had a lot of middle-aged folks that didn't have any good relationships before that and they saw it as let me connect with my high school sweetheart let me connect with all Ooh, these yeah. people right which that's caused all sorts of issues but all these people from high school let me go back and relive the glory days let me connect with this person that person and what they started building their own life as well and and so they lost the what was real what was true what was accurate um and so we look at it as an old person problem but who dominates facebook right now it's not the young kids the young kids are going to be real yeah things like that snapchat um which TikTok, and I'm sure there'll be others coming. Snapchat, what kind of boomer are you? (laughs) What is this, 2013? You'd be surprised, (laughs) I still have clients that are like, I have Snapchat with somebody, like you were, like that exists. How old are you? Yeah, Yeah, that exists. But my point is, this was not a young person, it's not just a young person thing. To that point, I'll hand it back to Jack. Think
0: about old, so Facebook is mostly dominated by older people. Now you think about how many older people get sucked into this false reality of like believing everything that they read, yeah, and then I yeah. see a lot of older people that struggle to have conversation, to have relations with younger people because they're sucked into Facebook That's and exactly they're sucked point. into you know exactly older people it. that have an iPad in front of them all the time and, and can't really. I don't know. Again, we we do bash the young people off for oh they can't talk to older people. There's a lot of older people that struggle to talk to younger people, and I I think social media is probably to blame for that as well.
1: Yeah, to get off the social media thing just a bit, I think it is kind of a result of a lot of things that have been coming for a long time. In that you you start tracing this back to, to, you know, Joe mentioned middle-aged people, you know, who came to this before social media might have been having struggles with this and, and things like that. But divorce, you know, broken, just. Fractured, shattered families makes it hard to have friends. I mean, there's stuff, books, studies, all kinds of stuff on the children of divorce. They have a hard time with friendship. Well, when you've got, I, I don't think the number's ever been fifty percent. That's the the meme number about fifty percent of people are divorced, marriages in a divorce. I don't think that's true, but you do have tens of millions of Americans grew up in a divorced home. That has a social effect, but you also have the social effect of a a society that's fracturing and running in a million different directions where you know we we talk about like 80s music and you know Brad and Melinda Brad and Will's parents 80s music people journey and and sticks and foreign all all that stuff yeah. and it's like that was a shared culture that they had and so you grew up in high school and everybody that age knows all of those songs you could line up 10 15 year olds right now all of them listen to something different i mean like there's just there there's and I know this is me getting old, but there's celebrities that you hear of that it's like, who who are these people? You know, <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh, but that uh, like there's a bazillion celebrities, bazillion musicians, but there's no shared culture, there's no shared values where Christianity kind of even if everyone wasn't Christian, it was the underlying value set. Yeah. And so to start a relationship with somebody, if you went to the same school, grew up in the same hometown, listen to the same music, eat the same food, same know movies, the same people, it, yeah. play the same sports, watch the same movies starting a friendship is really easy, because you already have that much in common. Today, you've got to start out on, like, okay, who are you from the ground up? We got to lay all that groundwork before we can see if we have in common to hit it off, and so, I mean, like, socially, we're in a place where it's really, really hard, and so you end up with older people shut up in their homes. We were talking about this before we started. 24-7, I mean, like, they might have two hours of social interaction a week. That's awful. I mean, yeah. especially as the church, we, we cannot allow that, and you know in a place where there is this loneliness epidemic the one place that shouldn't be true is the church right. but you got older people that way you got middle-aged you know and, and young family people uh, you know young families like us life is so busy you don't have time for friends you're running kids to stuff you're 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 trying to raise a family you're trying to get your career you know all that stuff taken care of and then we talk about young people social media and and at at every age it's very hard to connect with a human being at this point i want to get real specific on that question and maybe we
0: I'm going to jump ahead here of this biblical friendship part of our outline that we've got. We want to talk about some of the th- some of the friendships we see in the Bible. They're you know really special friendships. You got Jonathan and David, obviously, and some of the others in New Testament. I'll save that for a second. But Jack just hit on something that leads me into this next: why church relationships are hard, why church friendships are hard. And I, I've got a, again kind of a very specific question I want to ask because this is something. Goodness knows I me and Rachel struggle with we're super close to you guys, and sometimes we only we only see y'all at, at worship services, yeah. which we we hate but it's just because of life is so busy. So I guess my question is, and I know this is subjective, but I'm asking for y'all a subjective answer, what is an appropriate amount of nights during the week, times during the week to be with other Christians outside of worship? because I think we we can be guilty on this podcast of saying we need to do that more and never really define what that what that looks like because, Our nights are busy. We've got kids that we were trying to raise to be faithful and and we don't – sometimes we need just time with them to to have Bible devotionals and things. We've got different things that we're doing. So I guess maybe reasonable is not – maybe realistic. What is a realistic, reasonable goal for I want to have people in my home. I want to talk to people. I want to live this out, this friendship thing that we're talking about of getting off social media and being across the table from people. That's easier said than done. So I guess my question is, what's realistic?
2: What's a realistic goal for our listeners and maybe us as well to set? I think start as a goal, one time a week outside Sunday and Wednesday, um, because man, trying to I'm the world's worst.
1: I'm gonna jump in on you. Most people aren't doing it once a month. Do it once a month. That's start true. With. See if you can get to that because you know you think, oh, this would be a great thing. Zero to once a week is a lot. You know? That's but true. when you have somebody over one time in a month, you go, this is really cool. I want to do more of this. You know, but. there's so little of it right now like you're talking about we're so busy that if you got one a month in it'd be like it it might be be refreshing that's a great
2: point that's a great point so yeah even start there um i mean i think when we were doing it we came into to jackson temple and started tuesday nights and everybody was is an open house jack you've done this in four and you're doing it long before we were um gospel comes a house key i think was a book that that is fantastic on that and something that really inspired you to do that i think um and the idea is just have an open house. Anybody who wants to come over and so you invite. We invited the entire church. It's a small church. Tuesday nights. We had so many good discussions. Open door Tuesday- policy. Yeah, open door yeah. policy. So we are seeing people Sundays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And then occasionally we get together, somebody to invite us over on a Friday. And man, that's when the church is inviting each other over, my schedule has been such where I haven't allowed it. Well, I'm really trying to move things out of the way to do it because you realize how important that is. Yeah. Because where are the church relationships when... It is just a Sunday, Wednesday thing. You can stand around and talk for an hour, uh, and and a lot of people do, which is really good. I think that's fantastic, but that's also they're not walking alongside you in some of the struggles. And loneliness happens when you're like in a rut or when you're down and out, and you really need somebody. And you look around or you go on your friends list and go, "Who can I call? Yeah, what what can I do uh, in that situation?" It's great that I can talk to them about the recent sports event that took place, or you know the football game, or I can talk to them about. Something new that's coming into town, like, you know, that's cool. What do I do when things are really going poorly? Uh, who do I reach out to? And that's when loneliness is, is hit, hitting the hardest. What's going on in America right now? COVID, crazy political climate, crazy every climate, pretty much. Um, division on social media, right and left. Um, the Republican nomination's coming up soon, you know, things like that. Lots of division, lots of, diff- uh, you know, that doesn't even get into money, um, inflation, how that's hitting yeah. people. People have problems, is yeah. what I'm getting at. Real problems. Who are they going to talk to about those things? If the church can't step up, they literally have no one. Well,
1: okay. I want to say this about that. You know, about how many times a week. And, and to Will's question, you mentioned Sunday and Wednesday. I think one of the things the church hurts people in this way is when we as a church try and go past Sunday and Wednesday that the church calendar gets so full that you can't like organizationally. Yes. Yeah. And and so we're trying to create fellowship opportunities, service opportunities. Which I think is a good goal to start. Yeah. 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 It's it's a good thing for churches to do, but you get to the point where it's like one of the reasons I can't have somebody over, you know, hospitably That's a good point. is yeah. because the church calendar yeah. is so full. Yeah. And for the other people it's kinda of like, well hold on, I'm going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, ladies class, you know, and then a, a fellowship event or, or something else a week. And I've got to find time to have somebody over. I've got to have somebody, or I got to go to somebody's house, and that's kind of another church event. And so now I'm at the point where I'm giving five time five days a week to the yeah. church, and it's like you can burn out. And there's that spirit that's like, well, you know, you just need to put the time. In. No, life is busy. Family prayer. There's there's a lot going on in this world, and so as churches, I think that's really something to pull back on and think about. Like, are we filling the church calendar up so much? The people don't have a chance to actually connect. Because at a church potluck, you can fellowship great with somebody. It's not the same as sitting across from your kitchen table. I want want to speak to that because,
0: and we've talked about this before, the value of homes, the value of being in homes. You can go out to a Mexican restaurant Sunday after church, and it's great, and trust me, I think it's better than nothing. Be in each other's homes. There is something different about sitting across, again, a bowl of chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant. It's a lot more shallow as opposed to going into your own House having people over there eating your food, you prepared it You're for sharing it. It yourself. You're yeah, sharing yourself, right? And you know, one of the things that me and Rachel, when we were in Decatur, um, we were working with the young people and we tried really hard hey, we're gonna do family stuff, not just youth stuff. We want families to get together, families to be involved, and so we would have try to have a meal and devotionals once a month. And you know, the common and my personal goal was I want these in members' homes. Mm. And it, I was asked, you know, well, why don't we just do it at the church building after worship? It'd be, it'd be a whole lot easier. And that's what I brought up is I I want us to see each other's homes. I want us to see meals being made. I want us to see sitting on each other's couches and floors and singing in homes instead of singing in a church building because I want young people and families to see church and church life and church family exists outside the four walls of this building. It exists outside of just the organized activities like Jack was talking about. It needs to exist in homes.
2: There's, in, in the sex addiction line of work, we talk a lot about being it being an intimacy disorder. What is intimacy? And one of the books that I um, take from the most talks about intimacy being vulnerability plus authenticity. And, I mean, how much do we lack that? Part of being in the home is just that. There's yeah. a vulnerability to people coming inside your house. And what I would also encourage, we've talked on the podcast before about this as well, but I would encourage people to maybe not have everything... Spotless. Clean, spick and span, you know, spotless. Like, be real, and it's okay to be real with people. It's okay to be authentic with people and to be vulnerable because part of why you're having them in your house. No, I mean the pigsty, and you know, you haven't picked up crumbs off the floor. Yeah, obviously there's some <laughs> things like that, but that can deter people as well from having people over. It's like, oh, I just what would I even cook or what would I do? It's like you know, make PB and J's. The point of it is to have people in your home and to yeah. invite friendships. But why are why are friendships difficult, Jack? You hit on this with divorce. I'll take a quick therapy break here, uh, just to explain. I think why it can be difficult for people. A lot of it is attachment. That's why divorce hurts so much. Is you go from a loving mom and dad who who both love you and you're together to now you're being pulled between parents. Now sometimes you're being you know you're you're um, almost leverage between the parents, right? Back and forth, and and who loves you and who doesn't love you and you realize, yeah, both my parents love me. Yeah, that's all logical. But from an emotional perspective, you really start to wonder who is safe. Who can I, you know, what friendship can I have that's not going to fall apart on me? That's not going right. to break my heart the way my parents did. And you see this all the way up. The kids, they get bullied. And, and so you end up with a really poor attachment where you're either the super clingy friend who needs everybody to love you at every hour of the day or you're the super self-reliant friend who's like, I don't need anybody, or you're caught somewhere in the middle where you don't want to be needy, you can see you don't want to, but you you do want the relationship, you're not ultra self-reliant, but I just don't know how to present myself, and I'm afraid that if they saw the worst parts of me, they wouldn't be my friend, and that would, it hurts more. It's better to, you know, and we talk about better love and loss than not love at all. People don't believe that. It's better to not have no, any friends than to have a friend and be hurt by it. Um, And I think that from a, again, from an attachment perspective, from a therapy perspective, we're afraid of people seeing us at our worst and rejecting us. Yeah. When you're really afraid of rejection, you're afraid of not being loved, your friendships stay shallow. Because if you do have a depth, and this goes to the church, if they did see my sins, if they did see my messy house, if they did see all of the imperfections... They'd reject me. They would reject me. And we are terrified of rejection. So we as a church have to get better at... Look, we're not rejecting you. The only time, and then we can get into church discipline and whatnot of, well, that's rejection. No, it's not. That's actually love. I mean, the church is supposed to love one another, and that means we don't reject each other. We call each other to a high standard if we see it, but we're not here to reject. We're not here to ridicule or anything that everybody's all afraid of. A lot of it is projection onto the church. That's what they do. No, they wouldn't. But we have to give, create such a loving atmosphere for people that they realize, I can be real. How is it that I can be real with you guys? I know you care about me. I know you love me. I know that you'll call me out if I do something boneheaded, but for the most part, I know that you know you guys are are here for me yep. through thick and thin because you have been. Where's that in the church with the average person? You know, here's It's non existent yeah. So we have to do a better job of building those relationships as well and helping people feel genuinely loved and accepted. For
1: sure, for sure. And there, there's some of that, you know, about the rejection. I think we're going to do a follow-up episode. I think of on. The conflicts on on where it goes difficult, on working through some of the hardships. What to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because church relationships are hard, and and getting started is hard. And I think on this one, we're more on the getting started, because, man, that first step is a really uncomfortable, hard first step. And then sometimes you take that first step, and you do get rejected, or you you actually, things go well, and then you hit a wall with somebody. And so we'll we'll get to that on the next one uh, for sure. Um, but with everything we've talked about, the hospitality thing and, and trying to get this started, I've written on this, I've, I've kind of had this theory in a while or for a while now of three levels of fellowship, three levels of connection that we have with each other, and how it's so important to get all three. And usually we get to one. A lot of the better church relationships get to number two. Very rarely. Does it Very, yeah. Like getting number three is, is, a, is a wonderful thing that you're not going to have. This is one of the other things that you can have one. I'll just lay them out. Number one is just fellowship, just general chatting with somebody, having something to talk about. Two is spiritual fellowship. You're talking Bible. You're talking the church. You're talking prayer. You're talking Christian living. And then number three is personal spiritual fellowship. Here's my Christian walk with God. Here's here's how it's going for me. Here's where my I'm, I'm struggling. Here's, you know, and, and back and forth with each other. And again, fellowship, you can have broadly with anybody. I've, I, I know I've talked about this before, but I mean, non-Christian, Christian, anybody, the, the guy at the 7-Eleven, the guy, you know, uh, at work, whatever, you can fellowship with them. You're talking about how the football game went, how the weather is, you know, it, po- politics, interests, that's fellowship. Spiritual fellowship, this is something that's always frustrated me, is like, I'm in a church building, you're in a church building, we're here to listen to a Bible class and a sermon and worship God. And yet, it's still hard to have a conversation about the Bible. Yeah, it's still hard to move the conversation. Around, well, how'd you do this week? How's work going? How's that thing going? How's you know? I, I remember you were having a, a difficulty with it. That's good. You know, that, that's a positive thing to be in each other's lives that way. But like, so you know, what are your thoughts on the sermon? What are your thoughts on this Christian thing as it relates to culture or any of this? We've stuff? made it
0: strange and awkward Yeah. Again. yeah. Like yeah. that—that's something that has come about where we we would so much rather talk about our job situations, the weather. SEC football, all of that, because like to Jack's point, you could you could have finished the service five minutes ago, and to bring up something spiritual, hey, what do you think about what he said about that, or you know, kind of like what Jack just said, you know, people would look at you, like, sorry. Well, what?
1: if you guys, I'm sure you probably have been in one of those conversations where you try and turn it toward the spiritual, and everyone just kind of it just like drops and like. Yeah. So about the, uh, the Titans, you yeah. know, like, because are, are we really going to talk about that? Like, well, we should. Why, why not? I why mean, is that? And
0: I don't want to spend this whole episode hitting on oh, why this is a problem. We are going to devote the last, I shouldn't say half because we're already like 35 minutes in, but we are going to devote the end of this to here's what we can do, practical things that are, that are positive that we can do. But why do you think that is that that is so difficult
1: and strange and weird and awkward again, you know, for people to do? Consumer Christianity says you're here to listen. Don't you're not bringing something to the table, so it, it teaches you not to engage. You know, yeah. it teaches you to internalize it, go home yourself, and so it's that's one of the things as a church we can start doing of like, hey, bring something to the table. Like, here's what we're studying. Be ready for that. But I, I think that's just kind of an underlying thing. But there's probably more obvious surface ones as well. I
2: take it to a, again a personal perspective of people really being afraid of, like, what if I don't know what to say? Yeah. I'm out of my Got to have the right answer. Right. I got to have the right answer. And, boy, I don't know much about yeah. that. I can tell you all day about the Titans. Like, I, I boy, I read their schedule. I know what exactly what's okay. going on um, with each team that they're playing. Okay, how much do you actually know about the Bible? And yeah, so we're, true. to your point, we're okay sitting and learning and listening to that, most of which we'll forget by Tuesday. But, you know, we're okay sitting and learning but when it comes to actually engaging on those topics, which is what makes it stick, that's what causes these things to become real to us, we're out of our depth. We're so afraid of, like, breaking that facade and, and showing people, again, the weakness of, like, I don't know what I'm talking about, What what's going on there. It's easy to kind of have that. You come in, you sit in the Bible class. Nobody knows if you are a, a theologian or not. Yeah. Like, you just, just get to sit there. But when I have a personal conversation and I ask you, well, what do you think about the sermon? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, let's shift it because we don't want to show the vulnerability what's so interesting about that is you just about any you know you have a, a uh a
0: lectureship you know i even i went to a franchise meeting recently you have a any kind of setting where there's lectures and then there's like group discussions and you ask people at the end hey what part did you enjoy the most 100 of the time what do people say i really enjoyed sitting across the table and, and, and discussing these every things. Time. you hear that all, every single time and so you know, I'm not saying we need to do away with sermons or anything, of course, but I do think in many cases congregations can do a better job of, uh, again, they get such good reviews when hey, you got a, you got a a roundtable discussion on X Y Z. Everybody's contributing, everybody's bringing something to the table rather than just one guy. Kind of you know, like you're saying, you're just there to listen. Again, that always is what everybody enjoys. A marriage retreat was the other one, where it's mm-hmm. like get lectures and then you've got group discussions. Everybody always loves the group discussions, and I think that's such a a, a big deal to, again, you've got everybody bringing something to the table, you're sharing ideas. That's what we're getting at here with this idea of spiritual fellowship.
2: You're all sharing in these things. That's right. And, you know, we've dealt with this before, we've talked about this before, but it's always kind of interesting when you have get togethers, you have um, fellowship meals, whatever else, you have these depots. These times of devos where everybody's fellowshipping and everybody's having these conversations is just fantastic, like, guys. Hey, we need to stop so we can do the Devo. Time to get serious. It's time to get yeah. serious. It's time to sing some songs. It's like, don't break this up, man. This is fantastic. We're all having difficult, you know deep conversations with one another and getting into some difficult topics. But no, you know we have to stop. We, we have sound to sound like that. you don't
1: want to worship is well. I'm here. That's pretty. <laughs> Joe's not a big worship guy. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I really don't like singing, as I've said before. So yeah, I'm always good to talk. That's why I'm a therapist. But that's a <laughs> <laughs> like. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short of the importance of what you're talking about, Jack, of of this spiritual fellowship and the personal spiritual fellowship. That's that third side. That's something few of us are going to be able to experience. We get it with one another, and it's special. Like, it's really special. And that's As I said,
1: there's going to be a limited number of people. You're not going to have that with everybody. Yeah, don't don't go seeking to have this with 50 people. It's not wired that way. I mean, you look at Jesus, three inner circle, twelve. You know, and so and so forth, and where there's a lot of people... Even his own family point. he wasn't super close yeah. to. Right, yeah. yeah, and so, you know, they, they didn't get that inner circle, and so you, you're going to have that, and that's okay. At least try for the spiritual fellowship with as many as you can.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um,
1: We've got ironing,
0: iron sharpening iron on there. I think that's probably the most quoted proverb ever. Um, but, you know, you think about what's going on in many congregations today is... You know, you don't have iron sharpening iron. You got two people coming together, living separate lives. Hey, how you doing? Move on. And I think the whole point of that that concept is we make each other better. Yeah. We are we are through this personal spiritual fellowship. We're sharing our struggles. We're sharing our burdens, and we are just making sharpening each other. I mean, that's the whole point of the proverb. And so, when we talk about why we have this friendship problem, this friendship crisis, whatever relationship crisis, I do think. And you got to be careful, like Jack was saying. We don't want to make it all an organized thing where the congregation has to organize an event or has to organize a class for this to happen. But I do think that families can do a better job of this, and also congregations can do a better job of encouraging this, if that makes sense. Right.
2: I think congregations can do a better job of encouraging the first two, fellowship and spiritual fellowship. Yeah, sure. The personal spiritual fellowship has to happen across the kitchen table. Yeah. I mean, it has to be like... Again, you're you're being vulnerable. You're sharing sins. This is why we struggle so much to share sins with one another is there is none of that third level because yeah. if the church isn't sanctioning this, if, it, if the church isn't having the Devo at somebody's house or if the church isn't setting, setting all this stuff up, you may have spiritual fellowship. There may be some conversations back and forth. That's fantastic. Is it personal? Most of the time, no, because again, we get cold feet, whereas it's a lot easier for me to discuss my sins with you guys and to say, hey, I need prayers for this. Why? there's a personal element there. So for for the listeners, what we would say before we get into the last point of our outline, um, from a practical perspective, which one are you currently doing? Are you, are you focusing on fellowship? Are you focused on the spiritual fellowship or are you having people over and really getting personal about their walks with Christ? And, and if you don't have that, maybe what's holding you back? What, And maybe find somebody in your congregation as well that you feel you could really start that relationship. Well, and the way this is laid out is obviously Jack's brainchild, so he
0: might contradict me here. But I would say if you're at a lower level, don't automatically try to jump to the third level. If you're not – if you aren't doing the first one where you're just kind of going – Going into worship and then leaving, you know, as soon as the closing prayer is over, you probably don't need to jump immediately into the personal spiritual fellowship because you haven't kind of had that foundation. Same thing if you're just talking about weather after the services; it's probably going to be really weird to jump to that third level again. Look to the next level. If, again, if you're somebody who you're you're at that first level of fellowship and you're talking about the weather, you're talking about SEC football, whatever. Try to jump to the next level of the spiritual fellowship, talking about the sermon, talking about the the biblical topic of the class or whatever it is. Level up, i guess I guess I'm saying don't try to skip steps.
1: Well the spiritual fellowship tells you who you can have personal spiritual fellowship with. Yeah. Right. The, the people you just click with. I mean, it's just natural, and that's that's okay. That is not a bad thing to avoid. That is something to seek, actually. Um, but this really all brings us back to the loneliness point we started on of how many people in the church are missing all of these things. Yeah. You know, I think we've all probably had experiences where you just talk to somebody, whether in the grocery store or somebody that you, maybe you know but don't really know so well, and you just take a minute to listen to them. Man, people need to talk these days. Oh, yeah. There's so many people that just to be heard, you can tell it makes their day, but they just they have so much to say, so many stories to tell, so much on their heart and mind, and they've got nobody there for them. And, and so that fellowship, the church can provide that, should provide that, spiritual fellowship of like... People want to follow God. People's hearts are in the right place, but, you know, kind of the Ethiopian eunuch thing. Well, how do I know unless somebody teaches me? You know, how do I, you know, just what what does this mean? I've had so many good questions about the Bible. When I was serving in full-time ministry, my favorite moments in my entire ministry were the times where I would get a call from somebody in the church on a Tuesday morning saying, hey, I was reading in, like, Matthew chapter 12, and Jesus says this. What does this mean? Like...
2: That's yes, it's cool. yeah. so
1: great. Like you want to be available to that because people have questions about the Bible and where are they going? They're going to Google, they're going to YouTube, they're getting really bad answers. Yeah. And then the personal spiritual fellowship is man, all of us are supposed to bear each other's burdens. All of us have burdens, all of us have sins to confess, all of us have, you know, things that we can bring to the table to strengthen each other. All of these things are there, but we're lonely in these ways because we don't fulfill them. And and again, the church should be the place where the loneliness is eradicated. So we've got two different Two, two last points on here that we want to address as
0: far as the different categories for these relationships. Um, because the age difference does matter, I think. And obviously, we are a big believer in bridging those gaps. But I want to ask you guys. I think it's only appropriate that I take the younger, you take the middle age, and Jack takes the elderly. I think, that, most, I think that makes the most sense. <laughs> but um, Personal experience for this guy. For yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got two
2: less friends. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but no, I think this does look different for each age group and again I, again the, the qualifier of we should be bridging these gaps a young a 17 year old should not be looking around going okay where's the other 17 year olds that right. those are the only ones i'm going to talk to same thing with the 40 year olds um but so i'll start with i guess the the younger end of things when it comes to relationships don't use as we've already talked about social media as your substitute for real friendships i think a, I think young people's biggest problem right now is they don't know how to have face-to-face conversations. I do think older people are better at that than young people. And yeah. so that would be one piece of encouragement, practical advice that I would give to young people is practice the face-to-face conversations. Young people can't look people in the eye really well right. these days because they're so used to looking at a screen. And so, again, I think older people have them, have them beat in that. So that's something I would encourage young people to do is when you're at, at, at church, when you are with, even if it is people your age, put the phones down. You know, look people in the eye, have conversations, practice asking questions. We had a Godly Young Men podcast about communicating with people and how that's such a valuable trait, how that's such a valuable skill to have.
2: Young people really need to work on that. Eye contact and open stance are huge. Yeah. Um, From a middle age perspective, I would encourage the middle age to not have friends just based off of hobbies. Um, I got my golf buddy. And I've got my, you know, for me, I I got a hockey buddy and I've got the guy. Yeah, we do some spiritual things. Like he's kind of my church friend and that we have all these friends, but we don't have a friend that we can really go to about everything and that Mm -hmm. we can share with. And so what we end up doing is we got these lunches or whatever once a month, but this is- They all end up being acquaintances. Exactly. It's my politics guy. What that does is it keeps the relationships all shallow. Yeah. And it's shallow about different things. And so no relationship has the depth of, I want to know what he thinks about this, 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 this. You see this with a lot of middle-aged men who are very lonely. That's why actually they're they're skyrocketing suicide numbers. And you see mantherapy.org, I think, and you know, they're advertising during playoff games and such. Why? Because so many men are lonely and why are they lonely? They have friends, they're around, you know, they, they see people at work. They don't have the depth of relationships. Yeah. So for the middle age, and then for the middle-aged women, they just get on Facebook and, you know, gossip all day. Um, <laughs> and that's not ideal either. And so what I would say is pick one or two friends, some guys that you really want to cultivate the relationship. Maybe it starts with, this is my politics, buddy, but there's more there.
0: I love that word cultivate because this does have to be built. This yeah. does not happen overnight. This is not something you can just snap your face. Oh, okay, we're really good friends now. It takes work, just like a marriage relationship. You know, Sorry. any kind of real friendship relationship takes work. Sorry to cut you off, but no, I love that word "cultivate" because that's exactly what has to happen.
2: Right, and so that's what I'd say for the middle age is just don't um, don't settle for loneliness. And a lot of times they're miserable in the marriage. Work on your marriage for for sure if you're married. But even if you're not, find somebody. Say, well, there's nobody in my congregation. Maybe use social media for that purpose. Yeah, and find somebody that really connects with you, maybe on one area, and then look to expand. Not just don't just stay shallow in that one area, but get to know them on on several levels. Jack, you want to tell us about the elderly? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, sure. How, how,
1: how does this here microphone work? Uh, so I think this applies to really all three, but it can be with the elderly as well. It's very easy, and I think the elderly sometimes have a uh, congregations do this or elderly people organize it themselves. Of activities for them for themselves among their peers and yeah. I think that's good I think they need that again the loneliness 24/7 is not good I think all three of these levels need to work on the intergeneration yeah yeah um, uh, you know younger people yeah it's it's fun to hang out with your buddies and your friends your your your, your classmates whoever but you also need to start you're you're not always going to have those people around you as you age you're going to be multi-generational in the workplace everywhere else you go in the church and so find mentors find older people that you can just be friendly toward, you know, and for the older people, you are at that point of wisdom, but it it needs to be a, a, not a, we had the generation war episode, and I think about that more and more all the time, the generation issues, if the elderly are coming to relationships with the younger with a, let me just correct, and set everything straight about your life, you wouldn't have wanted that That's when you were younger, right? and so don't do that. But when you come with the wisdom of, like, you know what, I'm here for you. I know you're going through stuff. How can I help you? And then you can offer some wisdom. And they don't have to take everything you say. They'll be wise to listen to you, and hopefully, they learn that, hey, this older person's been through a lot. They've been there. They're they're here for me. They care about me. But you know, don't uh, you know there there has to be a humility from both sides. And so bring that to the intergenerational. I think
0: you know, I think real quick. I think younger people can tell when an older person is just kind of trying to like you said just kind of be their corrective force and right. I, re- I really disapprove of that so you need to versus maybe they do disapprove of something but they're doing it in a in a manner of, i really care about you i, I want to help you versus i want to be right right on, i think on, young yeah. people
1: can see right through that almost like justifying their the life they lived by mm-hmm. like well if i get other people if i recruit other people to, to make the choices i made that'll validate and like you need to be a little more grounded in your walk with god and yeah. and it's okay and so you know, look for those intergenerational because one of the other things is, this is a sad reality of it, is as you age out, you start having fewer and fewer of, of your friends in your peer group the longer you're around. And so it's important to just have those um, yeah. all, young and old, everybody around you in, in the church family for sure.
2: And I would also say be willing to reach out and ask for help. I was reading a statistic that is so sad um, let me see if I can find it. On... Yeah, Joe was
0: not just perusing Facebook for all those who might be watching <laughs> our Focus Plus subscribers and have phone yeah, out. Definitely not.
2: Um, He's trying
1: to find a friend. <laughs> 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 so I just unfriended
2: him. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to figure out how to handle the lonely or, or the uh, the elderly here. <laughs> so it says well over half, 59 um, percent of those age 85 and over, and 38 percent of those age 75 to 84 live alone. And what it says is of those. Um, here we go. Half a million older people go at least five or six days a week without seeing or speaking to anyone at all. Half a million. Half a million around in America go five or six days a week without speaking to anyone, see, seeing or speaking to anyone else at all. It's flatly unhealthy. That's horrible. Yeah. And that is so sad. And so that speaks to the younger to say, hey, let's step up, make sure we're visiting them. That also speaks to the older. A lot of them do know how to use phones. Call somebody. Let them know. Hey, you know, can we? Can you come over? Can you help me with this? Or let's just go to lunch. Can you take me to that's lunch? I'd love to do part, that. Though.
1: Nobody, nobody likes calling for help, and that's no. one of the things that complicates all this. And so there, there very much is a need to know who's lonely and, and sure. what we can do for them and, and be tapped into that. But I'm telling them
2: they need to
1: they need to be willing to ask for. And I know they well, don't. I, asking for help is not anybody's favorite thing to do. And so at least just cultivate relationships because you're more likely to ask somebody for help if you have a relationship with them. True. So build relationships 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 with people and there's some great folks at my grandmother's church to take care of her they really have a good relationship with her and they do everything for wonderful people and and it was just it's a comfort to us to know that they're they're doing that for her and have been when we live far away and all that so the relationship definitely build those as well so
0: i hate that we're already like 50 minutes in because this last element that we want to discuss is the one that's kind of the most fascinating to me um the male female thing as far as males with other male friendships and females with other female friendships what that looks like um, I actually think females actually do a much better job of this, of of having friends um, that they can kind of be super close to. Sometimes it's not all healthy with the gossip and with the you know things. right. That's not always great. But I look around, how many forty-five-year-old men have really close friends? They don't. They don't. Um, again, like you were saying, Joe, it's it's shallow stuff. It's it's your golf buddy. It's that's the guy I talk football with. They if don't, they're lucky, right. Other okay. than that, they don't have super close friends.
1: Is this a whole episode? Because I don't. It's not five minutes, and that's the hard part.
2: <laughs> that, that, that's true. This might I, be a whole episode. I think. I think we turn this into a whole episode because there's the idea that guys need a gang, and I think fleshing that out of what that looks like and getting into some of the female dynamics. What you're talking about, will like. I, I agree with you that they're better at it. They're more relational. I guess maybe they're they're more
0: more prone they're to. They're more prone to it.
2: Yes, but I also know that some of the most closed off people in the world are females because they've been hurt so many yeah, times that's true. by other females. So I do think there's more out of this. Maybe we save this. They're gonna for, make me
0: wait a whole for week or two episode, for yeah, to mm-hmm.
2: to delve into this. The but. relationship arc keeps going. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think we can get a full episode out of that. And I'm gonna put Jack the uh, the old geezer on here um, toward writing that outline because there is a lot here to delve into specifically regarding the, the gender lines, um, you know, between male and female. So fellows, I think we, uh, I think you're right. Maybe we push that off, but not to cut,
1: not, not to cut Will off. I just admit there's so much fascinating stuff here that I I really think, you know, uh, there's, I don't know, as I think about the male dynamic stuff and as, as they chart out kind of the, the hierarchy stuff, and the competition, and the, I mean, there's alpha the, male, yeah, competing right, and, male. and I mean, like, these dynamics that we have, where it's like, okay, I don't like this guy, you know, and, and well, why not, and and so I, I, I want to hold on to that, because there's, as a church, especially, that's something we have to, you see it in the New Testament, you know, Paul and Barnabas, you know, people clashing, and, and so we got to solve that, and so, well, and as we
0: wrap here, you might, be wondering okay why is this such a big deal why are they going to spend multiple episodes on this i mean we're talking about friendship relationships here it enriches our lives oh, yeah. what the three of us have and i don't want to speak for y'all but it's special it's really special to me and we we recognize say. that there's a lot of guys specifically and we'll address the female side as well there's a lot of guys and girls that don't really have this yeah. um you know we I, I think we have a general loneliness problem I think you can maybe separate that from what we'll talk about next episode with just close friendships. We don't really have those either, Mm -hmm. especially when we hit middle age, kids, life gets busy. And you might be wondering again, okay, why does this matter? Because it enriches our lives and it does help us in our spiritual walk. And so if you're somebody listening who you're like, yeah, I I really don't have that. I'd like to have that. Um, Keep listening because we're going to keep talking about this as it is something that can really not just enrich the enjoyment of our lives, but enrich the spiritual you know development of our lives as
2: well and then we're going to get into the conflict resolution of like okay what do you do with the people you genuinely don't like
0: yeah um, because that happens you
2: go to church I'm, sh- I'm sure everybody has people at church that maybe they don't get along with as much they don't click with and do you call it out do you not and so we want to get into and devote an episode to that as well on the conflict resolution and so um no i think that's good because as we're thinking i'm thinking of more things i'm saying i'm glad we didn't give it five minutes more things i want to say uh for the next one and get into the biblical relationships Jeff, as you talked about paul barnabas jonathan and david it's a great one. That's that's complicated by yeah. people talking about gay and everything these days, um, and and so those have been complicated. Guy friendships specifically have been complicated. We want to get into that as well. So, I think that'll be good.
1: I just want to say one more thing on this one: on loneliness, on reaching out, on church relationships. And we talked about it. They're so hard to start. There's so many things that when you look at it and you realize there's nothing I can do today that will fix it. There's there is no short term solution. That it's it, it's kind of discouraging. It can it can defeat you before you even get started of like, oh man, I really need friends and I really need to be closer with my church family and there's nothing I can do this Sunday, this today to make that happen, it is going to be a long game thing. But it's also one of those, you realize it's going to pay. It's going to, the benefits to yourself, to the people that you're you're reaching out to, to your church family, because the more tight roots there are between, and and not cliques, you don't want there to be cliques, but the more people there are getting together, having in-home fellowship, you know, knowing each other's struggles, building each other up, you start building something that, that spreads to the whole church. I mean, like the whole church is better, but all of that's slow. All of this is a multi-year process. And so get a plan in your head right now. If this is something you don't really have, you, you haven't been in somebody's house, they haven't been in yours. You don't have somebody that you would consider a, a friend. Or the, you, you don't have the personal spiritual fellowship as we talked about. Think about what is, what's step one? You yep. can't fix it all today, but you can take you can fix it it's, figure, like, it's like they more. don't
0: skip steps thing, one step at a time. Right. Yeah,
1: right. And that might just be all right, who do I think I might click with? Have I, you know, had a, some sense of maybe I could have spiritual and personal fe- spiritual fellowship with them? Invite that family over. Invite that guy out to the co- coffee. That woman out to coffee. What And don't take let, a step.
0: Don't let the awkwardness scare you off again. We we don't want to to Talk about it like it's not going to be awkward at first because okay. it probably will be, but you got to get past it because then it won't be. I do want to encourage everybody. We talked about at the beginning. Um, if you're a Focus Plus subscriber, leave your comments, leave your questions. This what the what's what we engineered the deep end segment for is for this very purpose. And so make sure and let us know what comments, what questions you have by um, Wednesday night. And even if you're not a subscriber, we love reading everybody's comments and everybody's contributions on Facebook, on social media. I don't think we have a specific group question, group think question that we're going to ask. Maybe we'll, we'll come up with one after this episode, but we always like hearing from everybody. And so if you've got a thought on this, maybe an angle that we did not cover something that's helped you in your life, as we always say, be sure and let us know about it. Comment so we can all see, um, guys, anything else to add before we wrap up this week? If not, we will wrap up right there um, and we will talk to you guys next week with another episode of Think Deeper.